0: section thirty nine of wagner the werewolf by george w m reynolds this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty eight the island in the mediterranean sea fair and beauteous was the mediterranean isle whereon the lady nisida had been thrown when the morning mists had dispersed and the sunbeams tinged the ridges of the hills and the summits of the tallest trees Nisida awoke, as it were, from the profound lethargic reverie in which she had been plunged for upward of an hour since the moment when the billows had borne her safely to the shore. The temperature of that island was warm and genial, for there eternal summer reigned, and thus, though her garments were still dripping wet, Nisida experienced no cold. She rose from the bank of sand whereon she had been seated, and cast anxious, rapid, and searching glances around her not a human being met her eyes but in the woods that stretched with emerald pride almost down to the golden sands the birds and insects nature's free commoners sent forth the sounds of life and welcomed the advent of the morn with that music of the groves the scenery which now presented itself to the contemplation of nisida was indescribably beautiful richly wooded hills rose towering above each other with amphitheatrical effect and behind the verdant panorama were the blue outlines of pinnacles of naked rocks but not a trace of the presence of human beings was to be seen not a hamlet nor a cottage nor the slightest sign of agriculture at a short distance lay a portion of the wreck of the corsair ship the fury of the tempest of the preceding night had thrown it so high upon the shoal whereon it had struck and the sea was now comparatively so calm that nisida was enabled to approach close up to it with little difficulty she succeeded in reaching the deck that deck whose elastic surface lately vibrated to the tread of many daring desperate young men but now desolate and broken in many parts the cabin which had been allotted to her or rather to which she had been confined was in the portion of the wreck that still remained and there she found a change of raiment which stefano had provided ere the vessel left leghorn Carefully packing up these garments in as small and portable a compass as possible, she fastened the burden upon her shoulders by the means of a cord, and, quitting the vessel, conveyed it safe and dry to the shore. Then she returned again to the wreck in search of provisions, considerable quantities of which she fortunately found to be uninjured by the water, and these she was enabled to transport to the Strand by means of several journeys backward and forward between the shore and the wreck, the occupation was not only necessary in order to provide the wherewith to sustain life but it also abstracted her thoughts from a too painful contemplation of her position it was long past the hour of noon when she had completed her task and the shore in the immediate vicinity of the wreck was piled with a miscellaneous assortment of objects bags of provisions weapons of defence articles of the toilet clothing pieces of canvas cordage and carpenter's tools Then. Wearied with her arduous toils, she laid aside her dripping garments, bathed her beauteous form in the sea, and attired herself in dry apparel. Having partaken of some refreshment, she armed herself with weapons of defence, and, quitting the shore, entered upon that vast amphitheatre of verdure to which we have already slightly alluded. The woods were thick and tangled, but though, when seen from the shore, they appeared to form one dense, uninterrupted forest yet they in reality only dotted the surface of the island with numerous detached patches of grove and copse and in the intervals were verdant plains or delicious valleys exhibiting not the slightest sign of agriculture but interspaced with shrubs and trees laden with fruits rich and tempting nature had indeed profusely showered her bounties over that charming isle for the trees glowed with their blushing or golden produce as if gems were the fruitage of every bough through one of the delicious valleys which nisida explored a streamlet smooth as a looking-glass wound its way to its sunny bank did the lady repair, and the pebbly bed of the river was seen as plainly through the limpid waters as an eyeball through a tear though alone was nisida in that vale and though many bitter reflections deep regrets and vague apprehensions crowded upon her soul Yet the liveliness of the scene appeared to diminish the intenseness of the feelings of utter solitude, and its soft influence partially lulled the waves of her emotions, for never had mortal eyes beheld finer fruit upon the trees, nor lovelier flowers upon the soil. All life was rejoicing, from the grasshopper at her feet to the feathered songsters in the myrtle, citron and olive groves, and the swan glided past to the music of the stream, above the heavens were more clear than her own italian clime more blue than any colour that tinges the flowers of the earth she roved along the smiling bank which fringed the stream until the setting sun dyed with the richest purple the rocky pinnacles in the distance and made the streamlet glow like a golden flood and nisida alone in the radiance and glory of her own charms alone amidst all the radiance and glory of the charms of nature the beauteous Nisida appeared to be the queen of that Mediterranean isle, but whether it were really an island or a portion of the three continents which hem in that tireless ocean, the lady as yet knew not. Warned by the splendours of the setting sun to retrace her way, she turned and sped back to the strand, where the stores she had saved from the wreck were heaped up. When first she had set out upon her exploring ramble, she had expected every moment to behold human forms, her fellow-creatures emerged from the woods but the more she saw of that charming spot whereon her destinies had thrown her the fainter grew the hope or the fear we scarcely know which to term the expectation for no sign of the presence of man was there nature appeared to be the undisputed empress of that land and nisida returned to the shore with the conviction that she was the sole human inhabitant of this delicious region and now once more seated upon the strand while the last beams of the sun played upon the wide blue waters of the mediterranean nisida partook of her frugal repast consisting of the bread supplied by the wreck and a few fruits which she gathered in the valley the effects of the tempest had totally disappeared in respect to the sea which now lay stretched in glassy stillness it seemed as if a holy calm soft as an infant's sleep lay upon the bosom of the mediterranean now no longer terrible with storm but a mighty emblem of mild majesty and rest nisida thought of the fury which had lately convulsed that sea now so placid and sighed at the conviction which was forced upon her that no such calm was for the mortal breast when storms had once been there for she pondered on her native land now perhaps far oh how far away and the images of those whom she loved appeared to rise before her Francisco in despair at his sister's unaccountable disappearance, and Ferdinand perchance already doomed to die. And tears flowed down her cheeks, and trickled upon her snowy bosom, gleaming like dew amongst lilies. Of what avail was the energy of her character in that land along whose coast stretched the impassable barrier of the sea? Oh, it was enough to make even the haughty Nisida weep, and to produce a terrible impression on a mind hitherto acting only in obedience to its own indomitable will though the sun had set some time and no moon had yet appeared in the purple sky yet it was far from dark an azure mantle of twilight seemed to wrap the earth the sea the heavens and so soft so overpowering was the influence of the scene and of the night that slumber gradually stole upon the lady's eyes there now upon the warm sand slept nisida and when the chaste advent of the moon bathed all in silver as the sun had for twelve hours steeped all in gold the beams of the goddess of the night played on her charming countenance without wakening her the raven masses of her hair lay upon her flushed cheeks like midnight on a bed of roses her long black lashes reposed on those cheeks so surpassingly lovely with their rich carnation hues for she dreamt of Ferdinand, and her vision was a happy one. Imagination played wild tricks with a shipwrecked lonely lady, as if to recompense her for the waking realities of her sad position. She thought that she was reposing in the delicious valley which she had explored in the afternoon. She thought that Ferdinand was her companion, that she lay in his arms, that his lips pressed hers, that she was all to him as he was all to her, and that love's cup of enjoyment was full to the very brim. But, oh, when she slowly awoke, and under the influence of the delightful vision, raised her eyes in the dewy light of voluptuous languor to the blue sky above her, the sunbeams that were heralding in another day cruelly dispelled the enchanting illusions of a warm and excited fancy, and Nisida found herself alone on the seashore of the island. Thus the glory of that sunrise held no charms for her, although never had the orb of day come forth with greater pomp, nor to shine on a lovelier scene no words can convey an idea of the rapid development of every feature in the landscape the deeper and deepening tint of the glowing sky the roseate hue of the mountain peaks as they stood out against the cloudless orient and the rich emerald shades of the woods sparkling with fruit the fragrant rose and the chaste lily the blushing peony and the gaudy tulip, and all the choicest flowers of that delicious clime expanded into renowned loveliness to greet the sun and the citron and the orange the melon and the grape the pomegranate and the date drank in the yellow light to nourish their golden hues nisida's eyes glanced rapidly over the vast expanse of waters and swept the horizon but there was not a sail nor even a cloud which imagination might transform into the white wing of a distant ship and now upon the golden sand the lovely nisida put off her garments one by one and set at liberty the dark masses of her shining hair which floated like an ample veil of raven blackness over the dazzling whiteness of her skin imagination might have invested her forehead with a halo so magnificent was the lustrous effect of the sun upon the silken glossiness of that luxuriant hair the mediterranean was the lady's bath and in spite of the impressive nature of the waking thoughts which had succeeded her delicious dream in spite of that conviction of loneliness which lay like a weight of lead upon her soul she disported in the waters like a mermaid now she plunged beneath the surface which glowed in the sun like a vast lake of quicksilver now she stood in a shallow spot where the water rippled no higher than her middle and combed out her dripping tresses then she waded further in and seemed to rejoice in allowing the little wavelets to kiss her snowy bosom no fear had she indeed no thought of the monsters of the deep could the fair surface of the shining water conceal aught dangerous or aught terrible. Oh, yes, even as beneath that snowy breast beat a heart stained with crime, often alighted by ardent and impetuous passions, and devoured by raging desire. For nearly an hour did Nisida disport in nature's mighty bath, until the heat of the sun became so intense that she was compelled to return to the shore and resume her apparel— then she took some bread in her hand and hastened to the groves to pluck the cooling and delicious fruits whereof there were so marvellous an abundance she seated herself on a bed of wild flowers on the shady side of a citron and orange grove surrounded by a perfumed air before her stretched the valley like a vast carpet of bright green velvet fantastically embroidered with flowers of a thousand varied hues and in the midst meandered the crystal stream with stately swans and an infinite number of other aquatic birds floating on its bosom and the birds of the groves too how beautiful were they and how joyous did they seem what variated plumage did they display as they flew past the lady Nisida, unscared by her presence some of them alighted from the overhanging boughs and as they descended swept her very hair with their wings then almost to convince her that she was not an unwelcome intruder in that charming land they hopped round her, picking up the crumbs of bread which she scattered about to attract them. For the loneliness of her condition had already attuned the mind of this strange being to the susceptibility of deriving amusement from incidents which a short time previously she would have looked upon as the most insane triflings. Thus was the weariness of her thoughts relieved by disporting in the water, as we ere now saw her, or by contemplating the playfulness of the birds." presently she wandered into the vale and gathered a magnificent nosegay of flowers then the whim struck her that she would weave for herself a chaplet of roses and as her work progressed she improved upon it and fashioned a beauteous diadem of flowers to protect her head from the scorching noonday sun but think not o oh reader that while thus diverting herself with trivialities of which she would scarcely have deemed the haughty imperious active disposition of Nisida of riverola to be capable think not that her mind was altogether abstracted from unpleasant thoughts no far very far from that she was merely relieved from a portion of that weight which oppressed her but her entire burden could not be removed from her soul there were moments when her grief amounted almost to despair was she doomed to pass the remainder of her existence in that land was it really an island and unknown to navigators she feared so for did it join a continent its loveliness and fruitfulness would not have permitted it to remain long unoccupied by those who must of necessity discover it and oh what would her brother think of her absence what would Ferdinand conjecture and what perils might not at that moment envelop her lover while she was not near to succour him by means of her artifice her machinations or her gold ten thousand thousand maledictions upon stephano who was the cause of all her present misery ten thousand thousand maledictions on her own folly for not having exerted all her energies and all her faculties to escape from his power ere she was conveyed on board the corsair ship and it was too late but useless now were regrets and repinings for the past could not be recalled and the future might have much happiness in store for nisida for oh sweetest comes the hope which is lured back because its presence is indispensable and oppressed as nisida was with the weight of her misfortunes her soul was too energetic too sanguine too impetuous to yield to despair day after day passed and still not a ship appeared nisida did not penetrate much further into the island than the valley which we have described and whither she was accustomed to repair to gather the flowers that she wove into diadems she lingered for the most part near the shore on which she had been thrown fearing lest if away a ship might pass in her absence each day she bathed her beauteous form in the Mediterranean. Each day she devoted some little time to the adornment of her person with a wreath of flowers. She wove crowns for her head, necklaces, bracelets, and scarves, combining the flowers so as to form the most wild and fanciful devices, and occasionally surveying herself in the natural mirror afforded her by the limpid stream, purposely weaving an apparel as scanty as possible, on account of the oppressive heat which prevailed during each day of twelve long hours and which was not materially moderated at night she supplied to some extent the place of the superfluous garments thus thrown aside by means of tissues of cool refreshing fragrant flowers thus by the time she had been ten or twelve days upon the island her appearance seemed most admirably to correspond with her new and lonely mode of life and the spot where her destinies had cast her habited in a single linen garment confined round the slender waist with a cestus of flowers and with light slippers upon her feet but with a diadem of roses on her head and with wreaths round her bare arms and her equally bare ankles she appeared to be the goddess of that island the genius of that charming clime of fruits and verdure and crystal streams and flowers the majesty of her beauty was softened and thus enhanced by the wonderful simplicity of her attire the dazzling brilliancy of her charms was subdued by the chaste the innocent the primitive aspect with which those fantastically woven flowers invested her even the extraordinary lustre of her fine dark eyes was moderated by the gaudy yet elegant assemblage of hues formed by those flowers which she wore was it not strange that she whose soul we have hitherto seen bent on deeds or schemes of stern and important nature who never acted without a motive and whose mind was far too deeply occupied with worldly cares and pursuits to bestow a thought on trifles who indeed would have despised herself had she wasted a moment in toying with a flower or watching the playful motions of a bird was it not strange that nisida should have become so changed as we now find her in that island of which she was the queen conceive that same nisida who planned dark plots against flora francatelli now tripping along the banks of a sunlit stream Bedecked with flowers and playing with the swans imagine that same being who dealt death to agnes now seated beneath the shade of myrtles and embowering vines distributing bread or pomegranate seeds to the birds that hopped cheerfully around her picture to yourself that woman of majestic beauty whom you have seen clad in black velvet and wearing a dark thick veil now weaving for herself garments of flowers and wandering in the lightest possible attire by the sea-shore or by the rippling stream, or amidst the mazes of the fruit-laden groves. And sometimes, as she sat upon the yellow sand gazing on the wavelets of the Mediterranean that were racing one another, like living things from some far-off region, to that lovely but lonely isle, it would seem as if all the low and sweet voices of the sea, never loud and sullen now, since the night of storm which cast her on that strand, were heard by her, and made delicious music to her ears, in that island must we leave her now for a short space leave her to her birds her flowers and her mermaid sports in the sea leave her also to her internals of dark and dismal thoughts and to her long but ineffectual watchings for the appearance of a sail in the horizon End of section 39.